0: Wherever you get your podcasts. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet.
1: You picked the Cape buffalo or the African buffalo to cover and I was like, okay.
0: What can they teach us?
1: just in awe by how they work together as a community and i'm like man if we can if we actually observe cape buffalo behavior in our lives and some of the altruistic stuff that they do that i'll touch on in behavior
0: many species are in crisis and need your help join the movement at allcreaturespod.com welcome to the all creatures podcast this is
1: chris and i'm angie
0: Hey Angie, good to see you.
1: Nice to see you as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's good having people fill in for you, but I do miss you. I do miss my partner in crime.
1: Well, these these young men, I have to give them air high fives because I really appreciate them, especially in with short notice, right? Uh,
0: yes, yes.
1: Filling in for me, but that's the community of wildlife lovers and conservation supporters that we have out there. Uh, our friends and family helping us all out. When, yeah. When I need yeah, somebody to cover me. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: yeah, Jim did great. Yeah, he he's, did great. Jim wine press. Yeah, and,
1: love him. So thank you, yeah. Jim. You're a lifesaver. Uh, and I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely good to be back. And, uh, we definitely in my family and my personal life, uh, have experienced great loss. And so there was a small part of me that wanted Jim to do this next podcast for me as well. Right. Uh, right. because you know, you just kind of feel. Blase, icky, all that stuff. Um, sad, despondent, lonely, all those things. So, uh, but, uh, but but you're back. Exactly. Well, there's a reason, you know, this podcast is a great reason to get up in the morning, a great reason to learn, a great reason to celebrate wildlife, uh, celebrate the friends and families Mm -hmm. we've met along the way and drum roll you picked yeah. the cape buffalo or the african buffalo I know. to cover and i was like okay it's got if it's got hoof horns or antlers <laughs> like i can't let anybody else cover that for me <laughs> yeah
0: yeah 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 so- yeah yeah i was excited this one's been on my radar for a while i've been wanting to do this one probably, i
1: know but- yeah i don't know what animal you would have like said that i'd been like nah i don't want to do that but <laughs> you know me well enough yeah. to like dangle the carrot part of yeah. the pun in front of me. And uh, I was like, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So yeah, uh, yeah,
0: gotta do your homework mm, and you're ready. Mm, yeah, glad you're to be ready. back
1: and glad to definitely do my homework. This research the past couple of days has been so much fun. And, uh, yeah, we get to share it with all of our listeners today. So you're going to learn a lot of yeah. today about one of Africa's big five,
0: big five. Yeah. One of the big five. And you know, it's, We've done, I, I I added it up. So we, we've done four, right? We've done the elephants. Mm-hmm. We did the rhinos. Okay. We did the leopards. You have a good memory. Right?
1: Now <laughs> I've already yeah, lost
0: Now we're doing, <laughs> and now we are doing mm-hmm. the Cape Buffalo. And that leaves, we have one left, which we will get to by the end of the year. We've already been talking yes. about that one.
1: The mm-hmm. lion.
0: We will definitely have the lion here pretty soon. So the Cape Buffalo, but before we get going, I, I just want to give again, another shout out to our friend in British Columbia, Jonathan, hey, Jonathan. you know, he's, he's,
1: we love he's you out
0: there. He had a really great suggestion. I know I, he's awesome. He was like, it's funny. He, he popped back on Facebook. He's like, yeah, Canada. It's like, what'd we do wrong? Like, we're so nice up here. <laughs> and I told him we'll, we'll get up there. I love Canada. Uh One of my favorite places on earth. So Jonathan had oh, a
1: Yes, for sure.
0: Yeah, he had a great suggestion and he said, "Why don't we have people submit questions to us and then we'll pick and answer them?" And he said, you know, a, a, a good suggestion is our Patreon subscribers get priority. So Patreon is if you don't know, it's this platform for artists and podcasters to, you know, try to get subscriptions, that people can help us pay the bills, you know, we have to pay for the bandwidth, the pod hosting, the web Site hosting, all this stuff, and obviously Angie and I are are still unemployed, but we're we're looking to (laughs) (laughs) to help
1: pay the bills somewhere. Well, yes, I know exactly. Uh I I these organizations though, I keep finding. Man, I like want to drop everything and go work for them.
0: I know that Rhino one. Oh, uh, I on Instagram. Here I come. I know (laughs) the the Instagram. I I sent you the the link. It's the the baby hippo playing with the baby rhinos because the hippo they found orphaned. So oh I was like, god. oh my God, I'm going there.
1: <laughs> I know. Oh my god. Like the dream, my dream place.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you, you know, check us out on Patreon. You know, again, it it really helps support us, support the podcast. And also like advertising is a big thing we've been trying to push lately, but we're so poor we can't advertise too much. And that really helps get the word out and spread the conservation message. But anyways, Jonathan had a great suggestion. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you get priority on the question. I think if you if we have people message us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, ask a question. Angie and I will will do the research. You know anything conservation related, animal related, and we'll answer it on our on our Friday news show because that's more of our free form where we we kind of talk about all these issues. And we'll see how it goes. So, anyway, that was a great suggestion. I and love let, it. Let, yes, it. I can't yeah. wait to
1: see what our first yeah. question is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. Cape buffalo, even-toed ungulates,
1: Yay. ruminants. horns, hooves, they've got it all.
0: Yes. And like Angie said, it should, the real name should be African buffalo, but the Cape buffalo is, is the most recognized.
1: Savannah buffalo, I think is, it can be referred to as well. The literature is mostly, in the literature, it's mostly African buffalo, but for laymen like myself, it's Cape buffalo. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the popular terms, Cape buffalo. Yeah. Cause there's four species under, under the African buffalo, which Cape buffalo is one of them. Correct. But, you know, if you call, you call them all, we're going to be calling it Cape buffalo. So it could re- refer to a lot of the stuff we talk about today can refer to all four of them. Now you want to stay tuned because at the end of the podcast, we're going to tell you why they're called the black death. <laughs> that's, da, 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 that is, yeah.
1: I mean, that's like a heavy duty dark, uh, not punk but like death metal band you know or something
0: yeah the black there you go there's a band name the black dead
1: yeah that's some heavy stuff for sure
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah they are yeah they are cankerous and they just yeah they're they're tough they're tough 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 they have to be to survive in in africa so so we'll answer that question towards the end but I think we should just kind of describe the animal.
1: Oh, yeah! You know, so you ha- people have a good idea if you. Yeah, people. I, of course, am familiar with them because I'm a hoof and horn and antler mm-hmm. girl. But yeah, if you haven't, you got to go to our show notes and check out a picture, or just Google them, um, because mm-hmm. they really are unique when it comes to their horns. Uh, mm-hmm. Their size is one thing; they're uh, cow-like in their body structure, and that's not surprising. Mm-hmm. Dark brown. Black in color, black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what sets them apart is their horns and their size mm-hmm. and their power and their strength. Mm-hmm. You're right,
0: Angie. They're they're huge, but they're not the t- they're not very tall. I guess you would say. Like you would think, Africa, like elephants and giraffes, and so I mean they're tall, 64 inches at the shoulder, five and a half feet, but they're not like just because massive. They're,
1: they're like know, stocky. Just,
0: they are. <laughs> Yes, because they, they can weigh up to a ton, almost mm-hmm. nineteen hundred pounds or eight hundred seventy kilograms. So they're big, and I mean they're long, almost the the longest I think is eleven feet, three hundred centimeters or or three meters. So they're, they're they're yeah, you're right though. They're just they're all muscle. It just looks like a big animal with with a lot of muscle and. Now the cows are a little bit smaller, right? Mm-hmm,
1: yeah, the females are, of course are going to be smaller. Um, and their horns are going to be, and in this species, both males and females have horns mm-hmm. and the horns are going to be a little mm-hmm. more, uh, are going to be smaller and a little more slender. Um, and their horns though, if you can picture it, they of course come from the top of the head like any normal mm-hmm. antelope, but they're mm-hmm. like flattened almost like a toupee if you will. Mm -hmm. And they come down flat and then they curve up and do sharp tips. So hooks, basically. Really sharp hooks. And they have the area from the base, the horns like, will diverge downward and the adult buffalos, the horns are actually fused together at the base to form basically like a bone shield across the top of their head. Mm-hmm. And it's called a boss, which is awesome. I learned that. Yeah. I, I've been talking about Cape Buffalo and when I used to give uh, hoofstock to tu- hoofstock tours at right. the zoo. And I never knew what that area was called where it, it kind of connected to look like a, a bone toupee or something, right? Yeah, right. That's called, it's, yeah. it's called it's called the boss.
0: <laughs> yeah, the boss of the shield. And it, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's intimidating. It's 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 intimidating. So they just yeah, they're tough. I mean, hides two inches thick in some places. Like just they're they're made to thrive and survive in Africa. Now I gotta ask, did you see one when you were in Africa?
1: I did not see one.
0: Didn't see it. Okay, no, so it's on your list. It is okay. on my
1: list. Yes. Uh, yeah. Hopefully next time. Um. But yeah.
0: yeah, I was trying to think. Didn't you see the leopard? No. Didn't no? You didn't see leopard? No.
1: And I'm okay. And let I'm, me ask you this. I'm angry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so- I'm sorry.
0: So what are the big five did you see? Did you see any
1: animals in Africa? Uh, I <laughs> <You> saw <said> zebra. <laughs> Chris, you're bringing up a sore spot. Yes, no, I saw tons of antelopes. Yeah. <laughs> I saw so many different types of antelopes. I did, I couldn't even recognize them all without my guidebook. No, uh, oh. I saw lions and I saw elephants. A lot of elephants.
0: Okay. So two, mm-hmm. two of the five. Mm-hmm. Okay. No rhinos though, huh?
1: No. With allergies. That's another sore spot you see.
0: there's something there i did not know we were uh
1: (laughs) we were at a rhino relocation uh, park where she was relocating and there was probably about at the time we were there there was probably about 20 that had been reintroduced to uh zambia Mm -hmm. to north luanga park uh but yeah we 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 went out a couple times a couple different days trying to track them and we just Uh. We didn't see any. Yet. It's obviously a, such a wide range. And she, even though right, she wanted to show yeah. us some, she was actually happy. She was like, that means they're like learning to stay away from people. And they're learning. They're mm-hmm. they're getting comfortable and exploring further out into the bush. So, yeah, no, no, Chris. It's... <laughs> sorry, man, sorry. You're trying to bring me down. I got I got a whole <laughs> podcast to get through. No. <laughs> well, no, now It's just,
0: it's on your list, you know? Like, I've only... Yeah, you know, I haven't been to the savannas of Africa yet. So, I've only been to Egypt. That's the only place on Africa I've put my feet. So, I'm, I'm dying to go there. And then my wife's going to Australia this week.
1: Uh, lucky you know, duckie. So she's
0: she's out and about. Yeah, she's out and about. Uh, she's going to Belgium in a, in a couple months. So I'm I'm in New Zealand though. I mean, come on. You know, I it's oh okay. yeah, it doesn't get much expensive.
1: better than that.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Angie, you know, we we talk about these large bovids part of the environment in Africa. So so why care about buffalo, buffalo conservation? You know, where's their niche? Are are they really that important?
1: Well, Chris, these large herbivores, as you said, they can be up to 2,000 pounds. Um, you know, they eat a lot of grass in, of, on the African savanna mm-hmm. and they help shape the plant communities that they depend upon. And with that being said... They also influence the different variation of the quantity and quality of the forage. So, in general, Mm -hmm. like any any herbivore, any antelope that, or you know, or buffalo or whatever that's grazing on grasses, and or zebra, in the African savanna, they can influence the soil nutrient distribution, cycling rates, Mm -hmm. both not only at like a local place, but also like on the larger landscape scale. So, I mean, I just, I don't think people don't think of that. They also eat, and we can get a little more into nutrition, but the types of plants that they eat are also ones that aren't as desirable for other species of antelopes. So Mm -hmm, they help, mm -hmm. they're like, if you think of a mower and really tall grasses, they kind of come in and they're not super picky. So they will mow, they will eat down part of it. To then let other species come in and, and do, you know, do their work. So yeah. And that's the thing, Angie. It's like,
0: Oh, it's we, we, you and I, and I talked about this with Jim on Friday. We're getting a global perspective, Mm -hmm. right? So it's amazing that we have the energy and the enthusiasm that we do because we see what's going on around the earth and it's. Like, you know, Jim and I were laughing, like all the news wasn't that great. But I mean, the good news is there's people like an Allison out sure. there, or a, a Kim Getz or an Aaron Curry, those, those again, I, I can't tell these people enough how much I admire and love them for what they're doing for animal and wild animals and wildlife. Jim, what Jim does, what Jesse does, you know, what your husband does.
1: Well, so, we do. Hey, now. Hey, now. You know, Don't forget. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. We're part of it. We're part of it. We're part of it. <laughs> And that's why we have that enthusiasm. But when you talk about a dumb cow, right? Or you a watch dumb your buffalo. Uh-uh. <laughs> I, but that's how... That, but that's... Yeah, maybe that's the general perception. And you and I are like, you just said that. And I'm like... Exactly. exactly. If it wasn't for them, I mean, they these other species depend sure, on each other sure. so much, right?
1: Well, and hopefully after listening to this podcast today, if you weren't a big fan of the cow family, you will be. I will turn you into mm-hmm. a cow lover uh, and make you understand that, yeah, they're, they are definitely not dumb. Uh, wait till wait till we get to the behavior. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that they oh, do no, with the birds are just incredible. And I actually am envious of, I have, not envious, but just, I'm just in awe by how they work together as a community. And I'm like, man, if we can... If we actually observe cape Buffalo behavior mm-hmm. in our lives and some of the altruistic stuff that they do that I'll touch on in behavior, if we lived our yeah. lives like that, we would be better people. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like if we extended know, the, a hand know, as often as they do, man. So, yes, you should care about them, obviously, because they're yeah. gorgeous and big and bold and powerful and strong, but they also do a lot for the landscape mm-hmm. and they – uh, and for the soil mm-hmm. and therefore for a lot of the other animals mm-hmm. and people that need mm-hmm. to inhabit mm-hmm. that space
0: yeah i it's it's amazing that that the ecological niche all these animals have have you know filled sure well in they've been evolving and... in that niche
1: for in that exact position Millions, vying yeah. for that particular job to eat that particular grass or uh you know whatever it is they do for hundreds of thousands, millions of years. So they're damn good at yeah, it. You yeah. know, that's the thing is yeah, it's like, yeah. um, uh, so, and I think, I,
0: I, well, and your, your other favorite topic is poop. Yes. Their poop's important. It's, it's really fertilizer. critical yeah. for, for soil. Yeah. yeah. And for soil health and the microbes and all the organisms that live in the soil. Yeah, so it's, like, it's not only just eating it's the like grass. Che- yeah. It's, I mean, it, I love
1: yeah. horse and cow for back, lack of better terms, poop. It's basically like chewed up, grass it's amazing it doesn't smell <laughs> it's totally fine <laughs>
0: <laughs> i wouldn't say i love it Angie. as much horse poop as i've dealt with in my life doing all the repro stuff we did uh but yeah i, I get well it. I,
1: I mean it. you ha- I it. It yeah i definitely love food. it a lot more than like carnivore or omnivore poo because that can be st- or any yeah. or pescivore yeah. something that eats p- yeah. fish their poop Ooh-wee. Ooh-wee. Oh, Ooh-wee. God, as yeah, we would say yeah. in my family <laughs>
0: Okay. But yeah, you're that that water in Michigan needs to be addressed. It explains a lot.
1: I drink a lot of Lake Michigan water and I turned out just fine. Yeah. Just fine. Yeah, yeah right, that's right, what right. you think. Uh, uh. But switching gears, so <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so
0: yeah, so you're mm-hmm. talking to cows, you know, the the bovine family, bovids uh, is a term we sometimes use. Huge family and it's, the evolution's interesting. So I, I went kind of down this okay. rabbit hole a little bit just because I, I, you know, obviously I've worked with cows and, you know, I've done some research with them and in repro and, and done a little bit of work in cows and, and, and I have a respect for them. I wouldn't say I loved cows working oh, with I them, love, but I, I love them. when
1: they like lick my boots or my arms. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's just the best. I mean, I like cows. It's all like, yeah, it's all like I, I don't like them. I just, you know, I know where they end up in some I know that part. Yeah. That's, anyways, tougher. that's a little tougher <laughs>
1: to swallow. That's for yeah. sure. But not the yeah. cape buffalo. They're wild just, and free. That's why it's kind of fun no, to God, talk yeah. about, right? Yeah. 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 This family's, they know they so they're not, they're not vomiting. taking domestication from nobody. <laughs> they're
0: like, no, <laughs> no. Mm-mm. So in the, in the current, Bovine family, so you, you have a bunch, and we're and we're going to touch upon them. But all right, so looking at this family, I mean, obviously you have boss Taurus. Mm-hmm.
1: That's the domestic cow. I I remember and that one from my ha- from animal science yeah. one hundred and one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, then what's a boss indicus? Oh,
1: come on, Chris, that's too easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but for the for the listeners, that
1: is so that is um a domesticated. Um well I, I guess I don't know I don't have the short answers from it's from Asia and it is yeah, it's yeah. been brought here to the United States because it's heat it has a a better heat tolerance
0: Heat tolerant yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So Boss Indicus cattle and the Boss Taurus. So Boss Taurus is more your European breed, your Boss Indicus are more of your There's Asian breed. There's the clean answer. Asian breed. Yeah. So pretty fast ancient. To, always, yeah, guys, yeah. if you've
1: listened to the podcast long <laughs> enough, you know to listen to like my, you know, my stumbling through it trying to figure out the answer and then just fast uh, forward to Chris's like concise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you
0: throw in funny stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm you're, well, you're the comedy early. I still love your Otterly so amazing jokes. That. I
1: was like, okay, I'm on a roll here. Like, what rhymes with buffalo? What jokes can I make about Kate Buffalo? And then <laughs> it just fell flat, so I don't have any. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I need, like, slapstick humor like so, Otterly. Well, yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otterly, yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. So the, the Gower, and we're going to get to the Gower. They're huge. They're out of uh, Asia again. Uh, and yaks. So they're, they're part of this, the American bison, we're going to get to the African buffalo and a few, and then the Asian water buffalo, we're going to talk a little bit about. So just to kind of sum that up, the, the, the four major buffalo species, their mm-hmm. four major genus, the American buffalo, which is also referred to as bison. And they started calling them bison oh, in 1774. wonderful
1: fun fact. I should have known that. I might've known that when mm-hmm. I used to give my hoofstock tours, uh, but I I, I really yeah. would like the listeners to, if they get one thing out of today's podcast besides Cape Buffalo are mm-hmm. incredibly strong and powerful and awesome. Cool. And yeah. I don't know if they're necessarily smart, but they are socially smart. I'll put it that way. Um But number mm-hmm. one, the difference between buffalo and bison. And do you know the difference, Chris?
0: Well, I just looking this up and it was just bison was a, a an American. I mean, they're their own genus, right? So I just thought, oh, that's something we called. Exactly. Buffalo, yeah. There's just basically
1: bison. been a misnomer over yeah. the years. Like you know, and here in the States, we have the song called Home on the Range where they talk about the buffalo roaming in the West. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's wrong. It's it's They're bison. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's a completely different genus. So bison mm-hmm. are found in North America and parts of Europe. Where buffalo mm-hmm. are found in Africa and parts of Asia. And so the other big difference too is, so there's, right. we call it the th- three H's. So the differences between buffalo and bison is what well, the first H is home. So where they mm-hmm. live, like I, like we said, bison, um, North America, mm-hmm. Europe, buffalo, Africa, Asia. The other H is for hump. Right. So bison, the one in North America, Mm -hmm. have a big hump at their shoulders where buffaloes don't, or the hump isn't as pronounced. Um, And the hump allows the bison's head to function as a plow a little bit more Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm, to, like,
1: move away snow in the wintertime. And then, so that's the second H. And the third H is horns. Right. So buffalo... Horns have are they're lar- large, mm-hmm. and this is probably a good time to throw in the fun little tidbit that each horn on a full grown, mm-hmm. probably like an adult male buffalo, cape buffalo's head is going to be twenty five pounds. Each yeah, it's each insane. one, so t-
0: yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah,
1: and so a total of fifty pounds, and I mean, th- that's like a if, if yeah. you're familiar, like a heavy bag of dog food or horse feed or a hay bale. I mean, on top of or, your head, or, or, or yeah. how about this? At least in the United States, like you don't want your suitcase to be more than fifty pounds because we get yeah. charged. But think of how heavy that yeah. is when you're lifting it up, and you can barely lift it up. These these strong guys, buffaloes, cape, cape buffaloes, are walking around with this on their head. So yeah, right. I, just, I just love them. Oh my goodness, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Where bison, their horns are much shorter, much sharper.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, and they they and then they look different too. Like I have a a good little infograph I'll put oh, in the show yeah. notes. They definitely yeah.
1: they definitely look different, and and if you want to throw a B into the mix with all my H's yeah. to remember the buffaloes, um, are, are the bison have beards, right? They're kind of like they're the hipster of the yeah. animals. They have these little beards, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Totally, they're like,
1: oh, I, I'm living in Brooklyn, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so they're the hipsters, and uh, whereas buffalo, the cape buffaloes are beardless,
0: right, right, yeah. There, it's it, it's so cool looking at the differences of these and. So you, you had the American buffalo or the bison. You have the mm-hmm. Cape buffalo, which we'll talk about today. You have the, the, the Gower is uh-huh. the Indian bison, which I've got some, some cool facts coming up about them in a second, but they're huge. And then you have the water buffalo and the water buffalo, there's domestic and wild, right?
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Yep, there's uh, tons of domestic, of course, over in you know Asia and India's uh, India subcontinent. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, and then there's uh, the wild water buffalo as well, and then mixed in there too in the family, mixed into the water buffalo genus of is it Bubalus Bubalus.
0: Bubalus, yeah, B-U-B-A-L-U-S, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's there's two little guys I want to give a shout out to. Uh, first is the Anoa, which is also known as a midget buffalo, and mm-hmm. they are found in Indonesia in the mountainous areas of Anoa, in Upper and Lower Anoa, and they are endangered. Mm-hmm. So they're found on the islands of Swalisi and Bhutan and in Indonesia, and they're endangered. Right. So we'll touch on them probably later in the podcast, as well as another, another critically endangered bovid in the water buffalo or balbalus family is the tamara or the mendora mm-hmm. dwarf buffalo. And this is a small hoofed animal, of course, in the bovine family, and it's found in on the island of Mindoro in the Philippines. Yeah. So. That's where it's like, uh, uh, Cape buffalo is is of least concern according to the IUCN, but yeah. some of these other relatives are, are
0: endangered, endangered or yeah. critically yeah. endangered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to sum up the the four genus, so you have the genus boss. Mm-hmm. Okay. So may, I maybe I should have opened it this way, but you have the genus boss. So we have the boss Taurus, the boss Indicus, those are domestic cattle. You have the boss Gorus, mm-hmm. which is the Gower. The boss grunions, which is the yak. And then you have the bantang, uh, boss jambas, javanask. Uh, I didn't even mess with that one. All right. Then you have the bison.
1: <laughs> Good for you,
0: <laughs> which is easy. Bison, uh, bison, bison, bison. Ah, bi- oh, that's
1: fantastic. <laughs> so,
0: and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the wizent, which, uh, bison, uh, bonosus, which I think is the European bison. Then you have the, the buffalo, the African buffalo, the Cape buffalo, the genus ciner, cinerus. Mm-hmm. And then you have the bubalus, which we just talked about. So those are the four majors. Now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: within African buffalo, there are four yes, species. Yes, there are. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it's three and a possible,
0: but yes, yeah, th- yeah. I saw a different. This is according to IUCN. So yes. I saw some different out there, there a bunch of subspecies and stuff. But I just stuck with the IUCN data since they're the one that. that classifies yeah, they're definitely organisms.
1: the 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 most universally well-recognized, well-referenced, right? We always talk about in science, we want as many references as possible and they usually always have all their sources so you can look up the papers. So yeah, we'll go with what they say.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you have the the, the Cape buffalo, which is Cinerus cafer-cafer. Then you have the Forest buffalo, which is uh, Cinerus cafer-nanus. Then the West African Mm -hmm. savannah buffalo, which is SC. And then... Break your Brachycerus, and then you have the Central African savanna buffalo, which was Acotantialis. So, a lot of scientific words that I wasn't prepared to say today, but there you go.
1: All right, <laughs> well, stuff. it is there. Yeah. And so, where where yeah. does this? Cape buffalo typically live in sub-Sahara Africa. Right. So there,
0: I mean, I think they have some habitat fragmentation too. Oh, just, definitely. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, South Africa, Central, you know, if you go the Serengeti Plain, mm-hmm. you know, Kenya, Tanzania, a little bit into Ethiopia and Somalia, over down, mm-hmm. and then you have Botswana, um, Nambia, that area. And then, you know, obviously the... So then the Kalahari Desert kind of separates them out, I, I would imagine. I don't know. And probably some human settlements. And then you have a bunch in South Africa and these game reserves.
1: Yeah. Right? They, yeah. So they that- definitely, they're, de- they're largely, their distribution is reduced and largely in reserves for sure. And they're very well diverse in their habitat. They can live anything from swamps to floodplains to grasslands to forests to mountains. So they generally prefer areas with dense cover. And with reeds or thickets, but they can also mm-hmm. be found in the open woodland. So they're right. very versatile, which is probably why that and because they're awesome and tough is one of the reasons why they've been able to be so successful.
0: Now, the the forest buffalo is Central Africa and a little bit of West Africa. Okay. And then the West African savanna obviously is West Africa, Central West, and then the Central African savanna buffalo is just above like the DRC right. that those types of areas. Okay, now they looking at the differences. Is the forest buffalo is the only one that looks kind of different. It does. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's like it's a little more brown or orangish in color. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a little it's smaller. Yeah, and
0: they yeah, the horns not quite as impressive, which would make sense. I mean, trying to navigate around all those trees and stuff, they don't want this huge rack or big horn okay. set of horns.
1: Right, like getting stuck yeah. in between two trees or something, like a cartoon yeah, yeah, animal. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So they're, they're cool. I mean, they're just really, really cool. Now Bovidae, Angie, some of this stuff was getting into the evolution. And like I said, I went a little bit down this rabbit hole, not too long.
1: Good. I'm glad you did. Cause I, I surely didn't with my time crunch, yeah.
0: but I didn't know. Okay. So Bovidae, I always thought, Oh, cows, you know, and buffalo. I Me didn't too. realize it yes. included antelope, wildebeest, impala, gazelle. Sheep, goats, musk ox, and then obviously our domestic cattle. So they're all hmm. bovids, which I just. Yeah,
1: I, I, it'd be interesting. I feel like I knew that, but it, I could just be wanting to be right or something. Uh, I wish it was a, I wish it was a quiz question somebody yeah. had sent in for, for us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I did <laughs> but not... it, is,
1: it. It is weird to think of goats and sheep as part of that group.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. we we don't refer it to that in, in in animal science and husbandry and stuff. No, we never,
1: not at all. No. They're, I mean, we refer yeah. to them as ruminants, so they're basically yeah. all ruminants, right? Basically, it's yeah, a-
0: yeah. How they digest their food and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, in bovidae, there's 143 current species. Okay, and wow. And 300 known extinct species. You know, obviously some of those are ancient. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Some of the characteristics all male bovids have horns. Most females do too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously our domestic, it's one of the things we used to deal with, like, especially genetics and stuff. They, they've tried to breed the, the horns out of domestic stock, you know, uh, just for management reasons and stuff like that. So, so they, you may see, you know, hornless cows and stuff. And that's because over many generations, they've been bred to not have horns. Now within the bovids, obviously huge variation in size and peelage coloration. The bovid evolution is is surprisingly controversial. So I was I love like reading it. some of these. I know I was like yeah. reading these scientific papers. I'm like, okay, we get
1: started so, new uh, uh, a new reality show, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> let's discuss bovid evolution. That only
1: like four people in the world would watch, but you and I would be one of two yeah. of those people. Yeah, I know. 50 we'll of your of audience. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, but D obviously with DNA, we're we're getting the answers and. The, the generalities is most came from Africa or that's the, the greatest variety.
1: Okay.
0: So you, you think about all those sheep and, and antelope and all that in Africa first appeared about 23 million years ago in Europe and Africa.
1: Okay.
0: And branched out from earlier species that, you know, went and formed giraffes and, you know, copy and, and those. The earliest known bovid is estrogus, mm-hmm. which looked like an antelope, you know, it was a little bit smaller. Now, I don't know. I find this stuff fascinating because I just I was so like wowed about the bovids. So they call them tribes, yes, or subfamilies,
1: okay. yes, sub-tribes. right, yeah, subfamilies, yep.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it was cool because they have there's ten in the bovid family. So you have bovini, which are buffalo and cattle. Then you drag... <laughs> there's so many scientific words. All right, Tragolafini, spiral horn antelope. So your yes. kudu, your elands, that's their Big own Big fans of those
1: guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Bossa saw those Lafini. in Africa. Okay. Okay. You
0: saw a lot of these bovids, right? Yes. yes. All right. All right. Now this one, Angie, Boselaphini, the four-horned antelope, I was not aware of that.
1: Keep going. I There's don't...
0: only one species. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. That's it. That's it. It's his own little <gasps> subfamily. It's oh. one of them.
1: Oh. Chris, tell me more about this this four-horned animal. I don't want okay.
0: to. I don't want to. I don't know. I just saw it. I was like, okay. Are a you cool making picture. it up? Are <laughs> you
1: did you use Google?
0: <laughs> the Rundancini, the water loving antelopes, the reed buck, the mm-hmm. water buck. So did you deal uh water buck? Ashley actually works with water buck, I think.
1: I um I did not, but I saw a lot in Africa. So I yeah, didn't okay.
0: work with them. Okay. Okay. Uh Antelopini, the small to medium antelope. So you saw tons of these, the Thompsons or oh, Grant's yeah. gazelles. Yep.
1: Okay.
0: Melampus, the Impala. The Alice of Feene. Wildebeest, hardebeest. Hardebeest is another one. That she oh, yeah. Her. They're cool. Okay. Hippo, tragini, Not hippos, but Hippo, uh-huh. tragini. Oryx and Sable Antelope.
1: Now, okay. now you're making my heart beat fast. Those yeah, are my loves. Yeah. Those yeah. are my loves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sable Antelope, cool. that's the biggest antelope in Africa. I think it's the most dangerous and most beautiful. They have heart shaped noses. Impressive.
0: Yeah, very impressive.
1: We we will cover them. I, I got to work with them very immensely at, uh, at the zoo. Georgia and And Dixon, my two girls.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, DVD pitchers like training them. I do. I do. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love those pictures. It's
1: pretty unheard of because they are the most, one of the most aggressive antelopes to work with.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta give, you gotta respect them. It took me, and years, then the Caprini. It took me years,
1: yeah. uh, but they finally yeah, warmed yeah. up to me. They had to. It's that's my that's my mo. It might take you years, but yeah. you will eventually warm up to me, <laughs> and and you will take a, you yes. will take a carrot from my hand. Darn it! <laughs> it's,
0: it's only taken me about seven, eight years, <laughs> exactly. you know, and, and I've taken carrots off plates on your, uh, exactly, exactly on your, uh, in your kitchen. Okay, and then the Caprini, the goats and sheep. So, so, anyways, I just thought that was fascinating. The the history, obviously. I know. Uh, Kate- You're such
1: an ungulate dork like me. That's why we get along so well. Oh, it's so just, cool. I,
0: it's just, I love this evolution stuff. I mean, I keep talking about it, but it's like I had millions of years to get where they are today. I know. So, it, Well, the that's Cape where, buffalo- getting
1: to do, you know, the different yeah. nutritional things that they specialize in and their role mm-hmm. and who lives where and right. does who competes with what or doesn't. It It is, it would it's so sad that humans are screwing a lot of that up. <laughs> You
0: know, I know, I know, I know. We're going to prevent right. it, though. We're going to, yes, we're going to fight. Absolutely. We're going to fight, 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 fight. So, Cape buffalo or African buffalo came from Ugandix uh, species about ten million years ago, and then the Cape buffalo specifically came out about four to five million okay. years ago. So, so there you go. That's the the bovid family. We can always refer back to this podcast when we cover oh, another we, one.
1: Man, yeah, single, don't wow, we got to put sable yeah. orcs. Oh,
0: it's a huge family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch in there. I mean, there's a bunch in there. I just want to do Thompson's Gazelle. Like, come on. That's iconic Africa. It is. It is. Yeah. No, that was my favorite
1: part was actually all the antelopes and getting the book out, the guidebook and trying to spot as many different ones as possible. And, and I found ones I didn't even know, I didn't even know about, which was shocking and also exciting at the same time. So yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So the largest bovid, Angie. Now I said I was going to talk about the Gower. The gaur is the largest living right now. It's huge. It can be seven feet at the shoulder.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. And
0: weigh over 2,000 pounds or 850 kilograms. So they're massive, right? Yeah. So the largest bovid that's extinct was bison latifrons from North America. It was eight feet or two and a half meters at the shoulder and weighed 4,400 pounds or 2,000 kilograms. So, geez, Louise, big, that's big buffalo, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, they were huge, they were huge, anyways. Uh, a little bit of the life cycle, I guess. You know, they live up to 26 years, uh, you know, cows, bulls, calves, groups called a herd. Or, did you find the other one?
1: I did. Oh, my mom brain's kicking in though, right now, yeah,
0: gangs, gangs, gangs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a gang of Cape Buffalo. Don't ever want to run into a gang yeah, of Cape yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, you don't,
1: you don't, you don't want to do that. Mm-mm.
0: Not on your, not walking, no, not walking. No. If I'm in a, if, if I'm in a big car or something, I'm fine. But yeah. yeah, a gang of, of them. Cause they have, their herds can get up to like a thousand animals. They, sure. They get
1: yeah, yeah. It can, it definitely can, yeah. it really varies. It depends on how fragmented the population is or wh- what time yeah. of year it is. Is it breeding season? Is it, but yeah, they, they definitely yeah. large numbers of them. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and
0: they're di- diurnal. They run up to 35 miles per yeah, hour. Yeah, I found
1: that really striking. I'm like, jeez, yeah. that's fast. That's
0: pretty quick, yeah.
1: <laughs> don't, yeah don't try yeah, to yeah. outrun yeah. one. I don't think. I don't think that's a good no, strategy.
0: no, 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 no. And they're, you know, their their hearing sight are okay. Sense of smell is really great. Yeah, of I course. Read.
1: Yeah, they have keen sense yeah. of eyesight for spotting lions over a kilometer away. And of course, they rely uh, like a lot of hoofstock on olfactory cues. Um, both for, um, yeah. for urine from the females, uh, during breeding season or when they are breeding and then also as a way to communicate with each other.
0: Right. And you said lions. I mean, lions are the only thing that really take them down besides humans. So yeah. And yeah, I guess crocodiles
1: pretty... sometimes. Yeah. That's uh, true too. Yeah. That's true too. Yeah. The Nile, the Nile crocodile. Yeah. The big it's crocs. Gotta be, it's gotta be yeah. the big bad boy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And just a little bit more too, I I know I I won't go into the horns as much as I went into the antlers um, Mm -hmm. during our reindeer podcast, but I do just think that if you really stop and think about it from a physiological point of view, the fact that the horns, they do keep, they're permanent. Um, They Mm -hmm. don't shed them, antlers are shed. And for those of you that haven't, seen a horn or held a horn up close um, I I recommend you go to a museum or a lot of times zoos will have some on display in their education centers so you can feel them and see them and what you'll find of course is that it's a bone okay it's um, and a horn mm-hmm. consists basically of live bone unlike an antler where it's more dead bone that then eventually will be shed or fall off but it has a bony core covered by a keratin sheath. And so the keratin is also the same thing that we talk about that your fingernails are made of, right? Um, And interestingly enough too, the horns, of course, they can be straight, they can be curved, spirals, like we had already mentioned, smooth, rigid, sharp. But if a horn breaks off, it will not grow back. And assuming it's not broken off at the base, because that can be like, where the blood supply is, that could be super dangerous. Um, but it is, if it's broken off a little bit higher up, it will bleed. And so Mm -hmm. we actually had a stable antelope, uh, break her horns at one point in time. She was a tough girl. Uh, and it was fine. We were Mm -hmm. able to take care of it, stop the bleeding, make sure it didn't get affected. And she lived a very full and happy life. So, uh, now in the wild that would, it would probably be more detrimental because then they can't use it. Yeah. They don't have the horns to protect themselves, whether they're male or, or female. Right. And and the other thing, right. the other tidbit too, to help people when you're thinking about horns or antlers and deciphering them or with, or with rhino horns, that that's actually a totally different thing than it's not made of bone. It's made of just, just, uh, it's in a different location because it's on kind of the front mm-hmm, nasal mm-hmm. plane where horns and antlers are on the top of right. the head. But animals with tusks should not be confused with horns, of course, or antlers. Because tusks, for instance, of course, that like elephants have or boars uh, in the pig family, those are Mm -hmm. uh, extensions of oversized teeth, also made of bone.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. But
1: in the same, but in a different, in a different sense. So hopefully, you learned a little bit about horns, or you might love them as much as I do. But for me, it's really (laughs) you know getting to know the animal and that all horns are different and they serve a purpose and they're beautiful and the fact that yeah. those animals have to carry that around year round for their whole life yeah. Yeah. and the other thing too that's and really important to note with animals with horns that's much much different than what Chris and I are used to work, used to work with with uh with like horses and is that animals that have horns know they have them they know how to use them and a lot of them not all of them but when we talk about a flight animal an animal that's going to flight or fight are kind of the two instincts that people and animals have mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and so if yeah if yeah. you don't have a horn or an antler a lot of times and you're a hoofstock animal like a horse uh or a zebra and you get scared or there's you're being challenged You'll, you'll flight. You'll, you will leave the vicinity, you run away. Um, whereas if you have horns and you get scared because somebody's intruding on your pathway or whatever, instead of running, you charge. And we call it fear, we call it fear aggression because you know right. that you're awesome and you have these big horns and can fight whatever off. And so, yeah. And yeah, Cape yeah Buffalo yeah. is like the epitome. Yeah.
0: Of, it's, they're impressive. I'm yeah. not
1: scared of you. <laughs> I have. 50 pounds worth yeah. of sharp penetrating <laughs> horns that will hook you and flick you over into the next set of bushes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, yeah, before we get to behavior, cause that that's next is, you know, really quick on nutrition. It's easy. They eat grass. Angie's already talked about yes. that grass, grass, and more grass. That's their preferred food. They will eat mm-hmm. some shrubs and other things when grass is sparse, but they, they, they prefer grass. Now, they graze mostly during the morning and evening. They rest during the heat of the day. Cattle ruminate, right? Angie and I've talked a little bit about this. Yeah. So they you know, spend this- a lot. Lar-
1: yeah. They spend a large proportion of their time feeding and then ruminating to extract nutrients from the f- food. So they'll chew it, right. swallow it, and then they actually regurgitate their cud or a bolus to get yeah. even more nutrients. And they chew their cud and then they yeah. swallow it again.
0: I was going to tell everybody, like, why the heck do they chew their cud? So they will, like, throw up their food into their mouth.
1: I prefer or, regurgitate, or regurgitate
0: <laughs> it. Yeah, I know, but that's kind of what it is. And they're mixing the gastric juices with this grass. Hey, we
1: have, let's see, break this them. is honesty time. Yeah. We have all been there. Yeah. Haven't you been there for like one second where you, you maybe like burped a oh, little bit and you're like, mm. uh, but you're, you're oh, forced to just like get rid of it. So the, yeah. The burn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they're the tough, worst. you know? Well, um, uh, and that's what they do, and they enjoy yeah, they doing just, it, and, that, and they'll do that. I don't know. I, did you come across how many hours a day? I, we know with horses, we no, always I talk about see, uh, 16 hours a day that they're yeah. grazing. I don't know if it's quite that uh, yeah. quite that much with because yeah. they spend a lot of time actually ruminating. But and they,
0: Yeah, I didn't see a time budget. And with the Cape that, Buffalo,
1: no. it's not particularly demanding in regard to their habitat, but they do require water daily. So they do mm-hmm. need to be near sources of water, which will dictate some right. of their movement.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of, you think about it, a lot of these herd animals are or or bovids, you know, in Africa mm-hmm. and then also the the zebra and some of the other species. Yeah, their migration patterns is always looking for water, right? Water sources and forage. Yes.
1: And they're yeah. and it should be noted they're not true migrants. Um, yeah. Probably because a lot of it, because maybe that maybe they were, maybe but they're in reserves now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, they they don't have a true migrating pattern. They will right. just move for sources of food or for water. Water. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well,
0: you know, before we jump into repro, let's talk a little bit about behavior.
1: Wow. Well, I let's... don't know if we'll be able to only talk a little bit about behavior because they're <laughs> so awesome. I. I'm, I know. Of course, it's this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've got to, a chance to work with a lot of bovines, both domestic and wild, and mm-hmm. yeah, I just I I could look at I could literally just watch them for days. I don't know, even even them laying down and chewing their cud is very, uh, it's very relaxing for me.
0: It's, I and I know I told you in New Zealand, like you're like oh sheep and there are sheep in the hills, which is really cool. It's really fun
1: more sheep than people, right?
0: And, just kidding. <laughs> uh, supposedly, well, I mean, it's only like. Less than 5 million in the whole country. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But there's more cows now. Yeah. The, the, the The cattle industry, the dairy industry is like booming here, I guess. So, everywhere we go, we see cows everywhere. What kind you know, of cows? You know, the boys love it. So, mostly okay. dairy, jerseys. Okay. Or Holsteins, sorry. Not jerseys. Those Holsteins. are the black and white ones. So, yep. mainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Plenty of cows around here. But then there are sheep all over the place, okay, too. Cool. So.
1: Well, it, as you already mentioned, they they live in a herd, and yeah. I think by the time I get done with behavior, you're gonna be like, Wow, I wanna live more like a Cape Buffalo. But before we get there, yeah. just so you know, their herd size is highly variable. Uh the core of the herd is off of uh, Cape Buffalo is often made up of related females and their offspring in an almost linear dominance hierarchy. And then they will have they'll be surrounded by subherds of subordinate males. With both high-ranking males and females, and sometimes older animals, the young males know to keep their distance from the dominant bull. And he—it's quite obvious who he is by looking at the thickness of his horns, uh, which will help tell his age. And those mature around five, six, seven, eight. Um, and then the other types of herds that occur are there will be a bachelor herd, uh, which we've talked about in other species, and that's where young males. Get together mm-hmm. and live together, basically, until they're able to s- establish their own herd of females, and that might be when they're anywhere from seven to twelve years of age. So it's really, if you think about mm-hmm. that, we talk about generation interval, intervals, that's a long time to to get your own family group going. And in, and in, in, you know, for a bovine, right. obviously not necessarily maybe compared to to a primate or something, but for a hoofstock animal, that that seems like a long time for them to get things figured out. And regarding the males in the herd, of course, there's usually a more dominant bull, but they also have some of these subordinate younger males around as well. And it's, of course, based on rank of dominance. But often dominant bulls can actually rely on these subordinate bulls and will even sometimes tolerate their interactions with females because I don't want to anthropomorphize for them and say like, oh, these young dudes are helping me out. Uh so I'm not but they definitely it's like they know they know that their size and there's great strength in numbers I think they I yeah, think Yeah safety it, in
0: numbers yeah mm, that yeah. they they
1: they're very aware of that and that leads to the other really really cool fact that about Cape buffalo is their altruism and Right you started me on this because of uh <laughs> earlier this week you sent me a, the very famous video uh-huh, yeah. That you you'll link on the show notes and it's called the yes. the battle at Kroger. battle
0: of Kruger battle of Kruger Kruger yeah Kruger National Park yeah most amazing animal video I think I've ever seen
1: oh yeah it's just it's eight minutes long and at first I'm thinking I don't have eight minutes you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I'm studying here
0: not right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: yeah but I sat there like I mean man I wish it was up on the big screen and um and just a yeah. synopsis of the video is involves. No, don't give it away. No, don't I, give it away if you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, I will get well, I, don't, don't, anyways, go. it. Anyway, go. It's it, amazing. It, it involves very altruistic behavior. And so, altruism in the animal world, it refers to behavior by an individual that increases the fitness of another individual while decreasing the fitness of the actor. So, you help mm-hmm. out even though you're putting yourself in harm's way, potentially.
0: Right. You're not, getting you're not, a yeah, it's not, it, right? it's not, it's
1: yeah. not symbiotic. You're not getting a benefit out of it. And, and not yeah. only is it like neutral, like, okay, I help. I don't, it's, it's, it's actually, you're helping out and you could be harmed doing this. And so, mm-hmm. and then the other altruistic type, um, and so the, the best example is the video that Chris is going to put up where basically the herd acts together to help one of its individuals there. Did I not give too much of it away? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So, yeah. So that, that's good. That's good. It, you, you it is, it is a great, great representation. It is. Of it we is. And then, about. so if you have not seen it, go watch it, go Google it. I'll link it. It is. Yeah. Amazing. I just got goosebumps
1: just literally thinking yeah. about it right now. Yeah.
0: So yeah, it's amazing.
1: But in another example, though, if you don't have time to watch the eight minute video, um, is that, The females in the herd appear to exhibit some sort of voting behavior. Well, thank God, ladies, it is the 21st century. (laughs) Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) But so what they do is during resting time when they're chewing their cud, the females stand up, shuffle around, and sit back down again. And they all sit in the direction they think that they should move next. And... (laughs) I love that's this. I can so picture like yeah. me and my girlfriend's doing this. We would end up in circles yeah. I right? would be like, Oh, are we go where are we going? This, to this, to this, yeah. the mall, yeah. the wine bar, the gym, where? Yeah. We yeah. Um,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: We would, we would end up at the wine bar most likely, but
0: yeah, that's what I would vote
1: for <laughs> after the gym. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, so, yeah. yeah they, they sit in the direction they think they should move. And after an hour or more of shuffling, the females travel in the direction that, that they have chose. So mm. it's, Yeah, and they, and then of course the classic is is when they're chased by predators, the herd sticks close together to make it hard for them to pick off one of the a predator to pick off the the member, and the calves are always gathered in the middle. And it's also been documented a lot that uh, a buffalo herd will respond to the distress of a captured member and try to rescue it. And so Mm -hmm. this calf's distress will get the attention of not only the mother, right? Of course a mom is going to like maybe, but, Mm -hmm. but the whole entire herd and they will engage in like, speaking of gang of Cape Buffalo, they will engage in mobbing behavior. So they know what they're doing as far as fighting off any predators. And I, Chris, this is why I'm like, if we all need to learn to be a little bit more like Cape buffaloes. So there's records of them, Of course, injuring or killing a lion, which that makes me sad, but I understand the circle of life, but they'll also chase lions up for trees and keep them there for up to two hours after a lion, after a lion had killed a (laughs) member of their group. So the member of the group, whatever, wasn't strong enough, died. Picture this just for whether you're driving in your car or just stop for one second and picture this. Unfortunately, a lion. You know, well, not unfortunately. It just is what it is. Nature's life, nature's way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. A lion takes a buffalo. The buffalo get pissed and there's nothing they can yeah. do about it, but they chase him up a tree and make him, <laughs> make him stay for two hours as punishment. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, don't you dare come down or we're going to kill you. Yeah. 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 I mean,
1: that's and, and, and like, I could see a mom doing that or, you know, yeah. but this is so just. I don't know. I just made me, and I'm a, yeah, of it's, course, it's unique. It's yeah. Unique. Cause I'm in a very philosophical time in my life right now with recent events. Right. And, and so I'm just like yeah. thinking, oh man, you know, and I just, I love turning to nature and seeing how, how they work together and do things. And, and not because they actually even get anything out of it sometimes, just because yeah. it's the right thing to do. Or obviously animals yeah. maybe don't think that way, but yeah, I just yeah. I just wish I was a researcher right now watching Kate Buffalo. <laughs> that's yeah, I know. That's what I wanna I do. I we... wanna I wanna see I wanna see how they care for the young and how they I guess get back at the gang you know, get back at the bad guys or whatever. <laughs> the,
0: yeah, at the lions. <laughs> yeah, wait till we talk about lions. We're like, Oh the lions are so good. I know. Well no, you know, I will yeah, I, I will stand
1: I will stand firm to the ground. I know I will always I'm a hoof Puff, Horn and Antler girl. You are. You My are. husband's a lying guy. He'll yeah. maybe maybe he'll do that podcast with you or we'll bring him in. He obviously has worked yeah. with all sorts of um big cats and he that that's yeah. that's his uh that's his jam. So it's it's fun in our family. We yeah. Uh, yeah. we we go back and forth on uh on who should win yeah F- <laughs> our favorites. favorites exactly.
0: Yeah, favorites. Favorites. Well, yeah, know, i I love the elephants.
1: And the other thing about their behavior that I just thought was really cute and goes to show, I don't know if cute's the right word, but it just goes to show how, um, mm-hmm. how much personality they have is that they definitely play a lot. Um, the juveniles will do a lot of like spar playing and dominance interactions. There's very few actual fights. If they, if there are, they're, they're violent, but rare, um, and quickly over and the sparring for play the bull may rub his opponent's face and body during the sparring session. So it's just, it's fun behavior. If you should YouTube, some of the behavior, if you haven't seen it before, um, mm-hmm. cows in generals, I know a lot about them, so I don't, ha- I could do a whole podcast on cow or horse behavior <laughs> for anybody I want. Yeah, if that's what you yeah, want to request, yeah. request that in, in, in the email. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so the, yeah, Special they episode. definitely have a lot of personality and, uh, their vocalizations are, a lot of different sounds. They bellow, they grunt, they Mm -hmm. croak. Uh, They're lower pitched than domestic cattle and they make creaking sounds. They will vocalize differently too, depending on if they're being aggressive or if they're looking for their calves or if the calf is in distress or if they're threatened by predators. So I just find fascination in their own, I don't know if it's a language, but definitely in the diverse signals, audio signals that they can give to each other to help talk to each other and tell each other, Hey, what's going on? You know, this, this, this good thing is happening or this bad thing is happening. And, and then it helps protect them. And I think I have a, a vocalization if I can find it. So here are some Cape Buffalo vocalizations.
0: So when I heard that, you know, I always try to think, okay, what does that sound like? And first of all, if I hear that in the bush and I'm on my feet, I'm going to cry. you probably dead. <laughs> you should. Yeah. And the second was, it, to me, it sounded kind of like, uh, I don't know, like an old car horn from like the 1910 or something. Yeah. Yeah. The,
1: yeah. And that's just a yeah. that just touches on a few of their vocalizations. They definitely have a lot of other yeah. ones. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you hear that in the bush, uh, oh my God, I don't even know if you can run. I don't know what to do. Cry. Yeah. Stop, drop and roll. Basically. I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we get to, to conservation, did you want to touch upon their, their repro real quick?
1: Sure. I mean, it's, it's, for me and you, it's a lot just like the cow family in general. So their male, right. the yeah. males are going to be promiscuous. Um, they're, Matings and births can occur throughout the year because the, okay. the females are polyestrous, or they have estrous cycles. in right. um, sure. the estrous cycle, similar to like a horse or a cow, is going to be 21 to 23 days. Uh, Estrus itself, mm-hmm. so when the females actually receptive to the males, it's probably going to be 24 hours or less. They do seem to have a breeding season, um, which is usually towards the end of the wet season. And that's probably mm-hmm. – their gestation period is – 11 and a half months. So that's probably that then the calves will be born during the wet season. And in Africa, right. that means the green season, right? Like everything's coming, you know, Yeah. Mm-hmm. plenty of food, plenty food for mom, plenty yeah. of food for mom and for, and mm. for then the baby. And I do like the fact a little, a, a terminology that they use with Cape Buffalo is that when a female is receptive, a male will tend, T-E-N-D, will okay. tend, he'll tend to sure. her by following her around until she's receptive to mating. God. And be if, like, hey, babe. Exactly. Exactly. And if approached by a more dominant male, tending males will readily return to grazing and the new male takes over. So I just, this visual is so funny for me. It's like, so they'll tend to a female, but the minute like a little bit cooler hipster guy comes in, they're like, yeah, yeah. they're like, eh, I'm out of I'm here. Out. I'll go have a beer. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, yep, yep. they like, <laughs> yeah. they like, and that that goes to that. I'm making fun with this, but it really does yeah. go to show like those horns and that size. If you're more dominant, okay, done, out now.
0: Like you're, yeah, you win, you win, you win, you win. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. It's like me, me and the rock chasing a girl around the bar, the rock
1: wins. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's not like, (laughs) like like, you wouldn't even try. You would just get like, you just walk out the door, right?
0: Yeah. I I can win it with my brain, but he definitely wins with the bronze. So, so, so. but that's, you have my football days. There's no way I can compete with him. Yeah. I mean, Uh, that's,
1: that's a, that's a tough number for sure. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, And then other than
1: that, they, they definitely, the males will do, and it's probably the females a little bit too, but they'll do the fleming behavior. Where, uh, and mm-hmm. we've probably talked about this in our, in our Preswalski's horse podcast, but that's mm-hmm. where they curl their upper lip in order to be able to really get the yummy smells, the chemical for, um, pheromones right. that they're looking for closer into their nasal passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. the other thing though, I think that's really important, important to point out is their sexual maturity in both males and females is around four to five mm-hmm. years, but they don't, Probably become dominant or high up enough to do, the males probably not just seven or later, hmm. and the female is the same thing hmm. sometimes you know p- well past five, so it's okay. it's not like our domestic cows that are you know having babies when they're
0: predator yeah. yeah so mm-hmm, yeah, and yeah, they
1: and yes. they do have like I said their gestation period yeah. is eleven and a half months, similar to a horse where the domestic cow interestingly mm-hmm. is nine months, so something obviously. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, shorter evolutionary yeah. change there, uh, and the inner the inner birth period is eighteen to nineteen, two or three years. It just depends on the population density. And a calf is yeah. about uh, forty kilograms. I'll use kilograms mm-hmm. for you when it's born. So, yeah, that's about and almost one hundred pounds. What I found like? interesting, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what I found interesting, which you may, which you might like, is that they when they're born, they're not quite as like strong as other hoofstock, the horses stand up and basically can run. Yeah. Uh, Cape buffalo, I don't know if it's just how they're designed. Newborn calves will remain hidden in vegetation for the first few weeks of life. And they'll be nursed occasionally by the mother Mm -hmm. and then join the the main herd. And it takes them up to like a day or two to to even run. Okay. Okay. And the other thing that's interesting, Chris, is they, if you can picture this, much different than a, norm, uh, a normal cow or a horse is they nurse from behind and not from the side. So between oh, the mother's hind okay, yeah. legs.
0: Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. I don't know why. Oh, poor I that was I really to get interesting. on. <laughs> about <poop>. I know. <laughs> yeah.
1: But once again, I don't know. It just must be like the season or whatever that, uh, uh, this podcast is running. But I keep focusing on – Not necessarily intentionally, but I keep focusing on super moms. But yeah, an African or Cape Buffalo provides extensive care for the young. Mm -hmm. Uh, A female actually like be left behind when the calf is born. Why the herd moves on to forage. Mm -hmm. And the mom stays back defending, feeding, guiding, all this you know, to help the baby and the calf. And they they also do – there's a lot of signs and behaviors of stroking, huddling, and playing
0: no and i mean you you're talking about them not being able to to stand and run and i think a lot of that too is just how tough they are and this altruistic behavior so they probably haven't needed to evolve as much you know because there's not a lot i mean obviously the lions and i'm sure I'm sure there's instances of leopard taking calves and maybe I don't even know if cheetahs could, but you know, I'm sure there's some other predators that hyenas, another one that, that could maybe take a calf, but not, don't mess with mama. Yeah. So, you know, they're so tough and that's probably right. why and, they and think also they like do so that.
1: Mother instinct is just so, I mean, obviously I'm a mom and it's a powerful thing that you can't control. Yeah. Like right when that baby is born and, but if you've ever been around yeah. herd animals or know anything about herd animals, the herd is like super important to them. So the fact that these moms like let the herd go ahead yeah. of them. So she can tend yeah. to this go on, not as, I guess, yeah. you know, not as yeah. up and ready to run and join the herd calf is really impressive to me. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's great dedication. And, um, uh, and eventually, of course, yeah. the, the calf after, you know, a week, a couple weeks of life, it can, it can catch up with the herd. And, oh,
0: that's, yeah, it's amazing. Amazing behavior. I, it was, that was really cool. That's really cool. Now, with conservation, you know, least concern, mm-hmm. but their population's decreasing. You know, IUCN had it at, uh that's the International Union for the Conservation of Nature. It had their population f- from about half a million to up to a million. Yes. But obviously with habitat loss is the big one. And then I read, too, on, on IUCN disease. Yes. From cattle, from domestic cattle, you know. Sure. And... Yeah, in the late nineteen hundreds, wiped out like some populations got wiped out, or almost ninety-five percent of them wiped out.
1: Yeah, they're susceptible and are also carriers to foot and mouth disease, bovine tuberculosis, corridors disease, and brucellosis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's there there are some things that, you know, especially interacting with domestics that can be uh a little scary. So, I mean, even with, you know, even though they're least concerned and you did talk about a couple of the, the endangered buffalo. So yeah, you know, it kind of leads to, there, there are definitely people out there fighting for these animals. And so do you want to tell us about an organization yes, that you might find? found? I,
1: the organization this week I want to highlight is called Global Wildlife Conservation and they can be found at www.globalwildlife.org and they have a really nice Facebook presence. And I can't believe that this is the first time that I'm highlighting this group because they're amazing. And once again, with the Mm. Cape Buffalo being least concerned, there weren't many groups doing actual conservation work towards the Cape Buffalo. So I turned my attention to some of their relatives um, that are either endangered or critically endangered. And with that being said, the mission of the global wildlife conservation is to protect endangered species, of course, and vital ecosystems. So that's the key, the ecosystems, through partnerships and science-based actions mm-hmm. worldwide. And they work with tons of partners in America, Africa, Asia, Australia, your neck of the woods. And they believe in exploration, research, and conservation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And diving into their research, not only do they highlight and focus over 20 to 30 amazing projects. I don't, I obviously can't go into all of them. But for mm-hmm. me, this right, is why right, I'm right. saying I can't believe it. it's the first time I've found these guys, is they have numerous conservation projects on hoofstock. So they are working with Munchak, the mm-hmm. Javan Rhino, Taper. I know it's not hoofstock, but elephants. And then also a big project with the mysterious Asian unicorn, which we have to cover, uh, known as the Ce- Saola uh, over in Vietnam. Um, and yeah, we have to talk about that guy soon. Maybe mm-hmm, I need to get mm-hmm. one of these researchers on here. here. But yeah, th- so a yeah, huge yeah. team of scientists that are amazing. And like I said, maybe I can get one of them for an interview. Uh, the other great thing about this uh, Global Wildlife Conservation Group is that they rank very high on what's called a charity navigator. So I'm always trying to vet different groups because I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that the money, as much money as possible, is going back towards conservation. And there's different rating systems out there, and they are consistently ranked as about as high as po- as you can possibly get. And what they're doing for right. buffalo, early in the podcast when we were talking about the different genuses of buffalo, the Bubalus, I think is how you pronounce it, genus. Includes the, uh includes the water buffalo and mm-hmm. also the tamaraw or the minduro, minduro dwarf buffalo. And what this is, this guy is a small-hoofed animal, of course, in the mm. family of bovidae, And it's endemic to the island of Mindoro or the Philippines. And it's the only endemic Philippine bovine. And it's critically endangered. So the Global Wildlife Conservation comes in and helps out the national park that is, of course, a, a hot spot for other animals as far as biodiversity is concerned, and they have tons of goals. And they first mm-hmm. want to improve uh, the governance and protect the measures of the area this national park is in, where these little dwarf buff- buffaloes live. And then, of course, they want to establish a zoning system to help integrative hunting management plans, and then also ensure protection for this little guy because there's not a lot known about his population except for that's critically endangered. And then they also want to implement innovative land use practices and planning. And so that's like an agroforest system. So planting trees, and they hope that that will bolster different species in the area that can help provide Mm -hmm. other food sources for some of the locals while providing, of course, a habitat for more wildlife.
0: Yeah, that's great. Again, there's people around the world, another organization uh, out there working to fight for these animals. Now, what you can do for the listeners, not just help support organizations or support the podcast, conservation tip of the week. This is a good one, Angie. Recycle and reuse. So one we haven't really talked a lot about yet. 30% of greenhouse gas emissions, especially from the United States, are provision of goods, quote unquote. So that means the resources, the manufacturing, the transport, and final disposal of everyday or or items. So if you recycle or reuse products, you actually reduce carbon footprint. So I thought, well, one of the things I would never buy a used mattress, right? It's just one thing you don't (laughs) buy. But- you know what about cooking utensils? You know when we got here, they they call them. You know the the goodwill stores in the United States. They call them op shops here. Okay,
1: yeah, we uh...
0: New Zealand. We went, to, yeah, we went to the op shop and bought a bunch of stuff for the kitchen. You know, or toys or oh, clothes yeah. for the kids.
1: Absolutely, you know, because
0: kids go through clothes and toys like crazy. They're growing crazy, so if you can reuse products, go to some of these these shops and you're actually help reduce uh, your, your carbon footprint. So we should recycle and reuse.
1: Yeah. If they don't have to make it again. I mean, it's better than ending up in a landfill. Yeah. Let's right?
0: think about toys, like toys, all the plastic, like you get these kids toys today and it's just like covered in plastic. Like, you, and it's so hard to break. Oh, yeah, oh, it's, it's so a nightmare. Horrible. The packaging is such a nightmare, you know, to open up and it's this non recyclable plastic. You throw in the garbage. It's, you know, so go recycle, reuse, um it's a great way to live
1: yeah check out your local yeah, yeah next time you especially something like chris or like a toy yeah. or something just common yeah. see if they have it there first it'll be worth the drive because then you're going to find out some find some really cool gaudy coffee yeah that you didn't even know you wanted yeah 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 and then you buy them and they're fun gag christmas presents yeah, or whatever yeah. so it's a good place to check go. it out for sure that that's a great yeah, tip chris yeah, i love yeah, okay. the tip all right
0: so why are they called the black death angie So it's because they are so dangerous. If you haven't figured it out, (laughs) they can run 35 miles an hour. They're carrying 50 pounds on their head, but the Cape Buffalo or African Buffalo kills more hunters than any other species. So the estimates they gore they'll just
1: just charge them. Like they're not going to run. They're like, I don't care. I don't care what you have. I'm I'm coming after
0: you. Yeah. They gore over 200 people per year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I read that, like you talked about their behavior. They're very smart. They, if they know, first of all, if there's a hunter that like either shot them or missed or whatever, they have good memories. And so they will go and seek revenge. They will go and hide and ambush people <laughs> or the yeah, hunter. Yeah, they'll,
1: they'll put them up a tree for two hours. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> yes.
0: So, you know, that's like one of the big things. If, if people are stalking in Africa or whatever, I guess, uh, the, the Cape buffalo is the most dangerous. Now they're not the most dangerous animal in the world. Uh, this was some interesting factoids. Do you know what the most dangerous is? Hmm. Besides humans and all of our I was going to say
1: like a, like a virus or something.
0: <laughs> Mosquitoes. Number one yeah, an there animal. You go. Yeah. Yeah. The worst kills 725,000 people per year. Yeah. Uh, dogs, 25,000 people. Freshwater wow. snail, 10,000 people. What? They carry a parasite. Yeah. Ah. And so people eat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crocs, 1,000. Now this is, Crocs, not Africa. I mean I'm sure Africa's part of it, but there's crocs in Asia too and of Australia. Course. So and I think in, the number one hippopotamus. In yeah. Yeah, there is. There is freshwater crocs in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. And then the hippopotamus, I think, is the number one which oh, we're gonna yeah. do soon. Killed yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> kill five hundred people a year. Elephants a hundred, lions a hundred, sharks, ten. I know. That's ten.
1: They get such a bad rap. Sharks. We're gonna do sharks. I soon. know.
0: Yes. Yeah. 10. They kill 10 people a year. So yeah, the the mosquitoes are way, way, way worse. Anyways, for us again, check us out on Patreon. Think about donating a buck a month. It would help us a lot if if everybody did that. You can advertise, get our message out, educate, take our enthusiasm and spread the message. But, you know, thank you. We're going to entertain questions. Jonathan, you get first up. So go ahead and send us a question. You know, on Facebook, but thank you, and we'll be back next week with the new species.
1: Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Listen, learn, share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.